You're listening to Cards and Cubes, a show about board games that you didn't grow up playing. On today's show, we will be talking about some games played, followed by some games that we're looking forward to, and on this episode, we will spotlight CGE, and then get into our top three games with few components. Today is episode 21, and we are your hosts... I'm Brandon. I'm Christo. And then there was two. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So it's Lonely just the, out here. <laughs> it's just the two of us this time. Um, Justine may be back next episode. Hey, so I was looking through the um, BGG hotness recently over the week, and I noticed a lot of print and play games showing up. And this makes sense with our current situation, right? But, uh, as, have, have you played any print-and-play games, Risto? Actually, not really. I had a game which I print-and-played, and I wanted to play it with people, but for some reason, people couldn't get excited about it. It was that Android interrogation game. Uh, gosh. Oh, yeah, I, I remember, remember that. It's on, the tip of, it's on the tip of my tongue. But it's a weird game where... There's an interviewer and an interviewee, and it's simulating the uh, Void Camp empathy test from Blade Runner, basically, which is what really got me interested in it. In it. I think it works well, but it's a very weird game where like, it's designed where a few people watch the interview, and I think it's kind of entertaining to watch. It's almost like theater, actually. It's uh, kind of just theater <laughs> uh and uh i printed played it i brought it and we never played it oh yeah also i wanted to play reigns uh we started playing uh, king's dilemma which is kind of like reigns but there was actually reigns uh the board game reigns like the king a uh, king's reign uh r-e-g-i ends <laughs> so i printed that out and for some reason we just kind of never got around to it so i've tried to play a couple of print and plays but they we just kind of never played them uh, that's been my experience with print and plays uh, uh for solo games i'm not so interested in print and plays personally uh, whatever yeah yeah it seems like it's almost like a like a, a sub-genre of the hobby because i'm looking at some of these and some of the prints and you know they they'll like 3d print some components and laminate the cards and it's almost like they're building this own this own game their own uh, personalized version of this game i'm looking at tiny yes. forming mars which is number one right now in the hotness um it's a one to two player i imagine maybe streamlined version of terraforming mars obviously like inspired by but like some of the components man are just ridiculous like really nice uh, yeah, 3D printing is the next level. That's actually a big concern with print and place for me is hopefully the print and play is simple because I did spend some time basically cutting cards actually because uh, those are card games more or less the ones that I printed and I had to like go and cut cards for a good like 10 15 minutes so it's almost like a craft project when you do a print and play because you have to cut all the components yourself and if it's 3d printed that's even the next level because <laughs> you actually have pieces that you're making yourself right so yeah it's like yeah like you're right you're manufacturing your own game at that point point. and if it's not for me if it's not 
a, just a card game, I don't even have the option to do it. Like, I don't know what I would make. I would have to get pretty creative or I'd have to buy stuff at yeah. like a craft store or something to make the components. And I don't think I'm into that right now personally, but it looks interesting. The whole idea seems interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's very interesting. Actually, when you said pocket uh, po pocket terraforming Mars or whatever, uh, it reminded me, I think there was a Dune print and play, and usually what they do is they try to do things with just generic cubes, or in Dune, the Dune print and play, it was uh, the dice must flow, which is hilarious, because like, the spice must flow. Mm -hmm. uh, if you've I've seen Dune and, or yeah. read the books, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, so this, the subtitle of the game was Dune, the dice must flow, or something. Uh, <laughs> So it was a print and play where you print some sheets or something. It's like a roll and write, I think, or it's a roll and something. And you just add dice. So I think with a lot of print and plays, they either try to try to do it with uh, just colored cubes or generic uh, components so you can reuse or just dice or something very simple. Uh, I haven't actually seen 3D components required print and play games before. So that's definitely something new if that's the case. Yeah. Um and then you could go even more hardcore into it and print games that are out of print that aren't print and play. Like we have a friend that printed uh, his own Indonesia and put it together, you know, because he couldn't oh, find a yeah. good price for it. The, yeah. So the way he went, though, is he went to the Game Crafter, which uh, is a service for a print and play, basically, because you submit files to them and the people use it for prototyping, but obviously you can do whatever you want. So you can like read, it's a map redesign in that case. So actually you email them files and they print them on nice boards for you and they actually mail them to you. So it's almost like kind of cheating. Oh, <laughs> but, I see. But, but you do have to submit files to them. Um, I, I actually, I think it was a combo of the game crafter and maybe uh, him doing some stuff. So it's probably a combination of both. Uh, speaking of uh, printing out of play games, I think uh, Dune before the reprint was very popular as a print and play uh, because it was just so out of print and people wanted to have it. So there was it was I think one of the most popular games to print and play, like a legit game. You know that's just out of print now. Yeah. No, that's interesting. That's a, um, I guess that's an option for games that are that are out of print. Especially if you're a graphic yeah. designer, then you could just like make any game you want. But yeah, I yeah. mean, that gets into some uh, details I don't want to get into where like, um, if it is in print, should you be doing that kind of thing? You know? Yeah, it's in the shady realm of technically probably not uh, uh, allowed. But kind of like Tabletop Simulator, you can make the argument that it exposes the game to more people. So you're advertising the game and maybe that's okay to an extent. So it's kind of in this weird realm. <laughs> right, right. Um, so have you gotten a chance to play any games in these strange times? Yes. Uh, uh, my Gloomhaven experience is going strong still. <laughs> so mostly that. Uh, but I did play... Uh, one game. Should we just go, just go into it? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, okay, so like I say, Gloomhaven experience going strong. Um, pretty much we're just going through the campaign at this point. Uh, we were kind of stuck with the same characters for a while and it was kind of getting a little bit stale for me, but something very interesting happened actually a couple of days ago. We retired a lot of our characters. Uh, you have these personal goals which are just really strange Uh 
like visit certain types of locations, kill certain types of people, do something weird. So when that gets fulfilled, basically you're forced to retire your character, which kind of like resets you in a way. So you lose a lot of the items that you have, you go down a few levels and you actually make maybe the same character, usually a new character. Uh, so what happened is a bunch of us actually, it was getting stale because it was kind of getting easy. Uh, because we were all had nice items, we knew our characters very well, and we were playing. We reset, and we failed two scenarios in a row. So there's this like really weird step ladder of like things are kind of easier, and then you get resets, and things become kind of really difficult. Uh, and if you get unlucky with a particularly difficult scenario, which we kind of did, it's uh, kind of a rough time. Also, you don't know the character that you just started playing because usually you start playing a new character and they play a little bit differently. So it takes a, a few games to kind of get used to them. Uh, but still going pretty strong. Um, I think, yeah, the game is pretty cool. It has its downfalls, like I say, here and there. But overall, we're really highly enjoying it and everyone's still into it. Uh, we're actually getting, it feels it's near the end or like 70% or something, because we've done a lot of the board. So we'll see how long it oh, wow. lasts. How many, but, isn't yeah. there like a lot of uh, scenarios to this? Like hundreds? There's, there's about a hundred or something, but I mean, we've played like probably 50 and we've disabled a lot because we just chose to do the other option. So I feel like we're, we're getting up there. Uh, it's pretty crazy. We only have one character left to unlock. So we've kind of, it's there's there's a game to be left to play and there's actually an expansion after that which i'm not sure if we're going to get into people think that we will but uh we'll see how it goes but anyway um so that's gloomhaven uh i actually played clank legacy this week uh someone was nice enough to assume that i am not sick <laughs> with the virus <laughs> so they basically uh can were fine with us playing maybe once a week or a few times a week as long as we all feel good uh, as far as like the virus goes um and no one's sick obviously so we played clank legacy i've been involved in a game at their house for a while now i wanted to talk about it it's been four games now i feel like i have a pretty decent understanding of what the game is um it's very much clank so uh, the first Clank, actually, it's in this weird space in between Clank and Clank in space. It's definitely on the short side like Clank because the map is just shorter in general. Uh, but it does have a lot of mechanics borrowed from Clank in space. It, it starts like Clank and they keep adding mechanics. And the, the, by the time we're playing now, and it's actually not over, we're probably still going to add just a few mechanics. But uh, what we're playing now is pretty close to Clank in space, um, just in that's in feel and everything. So can um, you not go in and go out? Do you have to have hit different objectives like you do in Clank in space uh, to be able to get out? Yeah, yeah, I was going to say uh, you do have the objective to go in and go out as the overall goal of the game. But the interesting thing is they throw you in this story where you are employees of this corporation, which thematically they pay you as a mercenary to go and acquire these treasures. So that's the reason why you're going down and up in the 
whatever under underground in the dungeons or whatever or actually thematically it's not underground anymore it's you're traveling like further away from the oh, okay. from your starting town so they made it like a depth of field kind of you're going just further away in the mountains or whatever um, instead of underground across the border which the border is like the alive border uh so you do have the objective to just get an object and get out however there's also these like side stories and at the beginning of the game i wasn't sure if that's actually going to work out because like you know you don't have time to screw around usually with clank you kind of want to just go in and go straight for the objective and go straight out uh but they've made some nice rewards to where it feels like um deviations to go fulfill these stories basically around the board and quests and like oh you should deliver a potion here or you should go talk to this guy who gives you a quest to kill monsters now from the monster row or something so they just like ran like randomly spawn quests all over the place which add stickers to the board they introduce new rules they give you rewards <clears throat> it's a little bit unknown actually what you're getting out of them actually it's very unknown but it's kind of a fun element of exploration uh, on top of the regular game of go down, get an artifact, and get out as fast as possible. Um, but like I say, it's very much Clank. I'm actually not sure there's a winner every game, uh, which is the guy, with the person with the most points, and they get a minor reward, which is basically there's this track of how awesome you are, um, track of recognition or something, and. Uh, you get a check mark there if you win the game. But there's also this uh, most recognized employee or something, which is connected with the weird objects, object, objectives they give you every time. So sometimes it might be the person with the largest deck at the end of the game or something, or the person who first does some kind of an objective or whatever. And actually, a lot of the times it's random. And I'm actually not sure who like is going to win the overall game and what that matters. We don't have like a full understanding of the scoring completely of the game. We just know that like it's a good idea to win, but it's also a good idea to like do a lot of the stories because they give you nice rewards as well um they do have a card crafting system where you add stickers to cards which make them better they're pretty balanced it seems so far uh but it's clank <laughs> there's a lot of luck and actually um i was going to talk about how i think they've made it so that the clank the the dragon explodes really quickly so it's almost like it makes the game kind of weird because there's a lot of swinginess possible because we're pulling five cubes or maybe that was just a fluke last game but last game it like really exploded really fast so we're pulling five cubes and there's a lot of swing of like are you going to pull five of the same person meaning they die or are you going to kind of evenly pull out one from each person so it just makes the game really dangerous and kind of lucky and swingy but I'm enjoying it overall. It's a good experience. But it's a, like I say, it's a weird mix of do the main game, the regular game, but also experience these side stories and put stickers on the board. Um, so there is still a monster threat, and it's a dragon the whole time so far? Yes. Yes. Uh, well, it's not even explained really what it is because it is a dragon track, but 
Like, is it actually a physical dragon? I don't know. There's just a threat track, I guess. There is a dragon miniature, so it's a dragon. I mean, it's it works exactly the same as regular Clank. They just have that scenario of, I don't know if you remember Hunters, or if you've ever played them. Uh, yeah, if you've ever played Clank in space. Yeah. They added that with the Hunters. They also have a, kind of a faction system. Like, if you have a companion, they actually don't have the full-blown faction system from Clank in space, but they have cards which, like, power off of things that you have so kind of like the crystals system actually so if you have a crystal do something better in this game it's not a crystal it's something else but so a lot of borrowed stuff from clank in space i think overall without the factions really but with some light kind of focusing on companions or gems and there's so uh there's boxes right that you that you unlock and like most legacy games uh there are stickers in this game. I don't think we've had a box. You just uh, the board actually starts very shallow. If you imagine a clank board, that's kind of cuts off at like two thirds into it. So the bottom part of the board was pretty much blank, and now it's almost full because we just keep adding stickers. The more you do with the story, and also you have like these book stickers where it just points you to read the. A book passage in spaces and when you visit that space you cover that with a sticker of like a coin or a card draw or something basically you just kind of experience the story and then you cover it up so you unlock stickers that's kind of um what's happening i see yeah because you know the regular clank has some expansions and they have a, a spider and i think a mummy and all kind a baboon, all kinds of different monsters. Yes. I, I just think it would be a missed opportunity for not for them not to add different monsters during different scenarios. You know, that would be kind of cool. Also, this game is, I think, replayable. When you're done, you just have like a unique clank board to play. Yes, I think that's my impression as well. Is once we're done playing, that's kind of the board we made, and we can continue playing the game using the same board. Um, I don't know. The way the expansions work is the boards are very specifically designed for them. Actually, the person I'm playing with is a huge fan of Clank, and he actually has all the boards. So he was talking to me about a board which came out recently, which is like a gear rotation board, kind of. So instead of crossroads, you know how like there's like maybe paths between uh, three different locations? Mm -hmm. There's this rotating gear, which makes only two of them connected at a time. So it kind of... Uh, well it like makes it impossible to go between two of them if you know what i mean it's like a triangle with yeah uh only two curves <laughs> i don't know how to describe it uh but anyway it requires a very like specifically designed board and i think that's why they didn't do it because it'd be kind of weird but i don't know we're only on the fourth out of 10 games so maybe they are going to add something just crazy like a monster that walks around or something or some kind of a new mechanic which we haven't seen before uh, but my impression is, in general, you want a specifically designed board for that those kind of wild variants to work out. But you have been enjoying it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's fun. Uh, it is kind of interesting because, you know, like you, the people have died now <laughs> in, in the game. And actually, last game, we died very close to the exit. So it's kind of like in a legacy game, you know, you just died. <laughs> you you lost the game, but it's not no big deal. I'm, I'm taking it kind of uh, more lighthearted, like Clank should be taken, I think, because mm -hmm. ultimately it is very kind of push your lucky in so many ways. Right. But yeah, it's fun. It's a it's a good game. I I recommend it. Actually, I think it's a good 
Clank experience. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely wanted to play this, but I just didn't know uh, if I would have got it to the table. I probably would nowadays, though. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm a fan of Clank, but I'm not sure if other people in our group are. I'm not sure if uh, I think Matt would not like it. I think Justine is okay with it, but she's not a huge fan, so I'm not sure if it would be easy to your point to get to the table. Yeah. Uh, speaking of getting to the table, I procrastinated on Agizia, which is the Agizia Shifting Sands, which came out in 2019. Yep. It's um, a second edition of just simply Agizia, which came out in 2009. But I finally played it, and I don't know why I took so long to get this to the table. It's by what we, we refer to as the other Italian designers. They're usually paired up with uh, Simone Luciani or uh, Daniel Tashini. Uh, but it's just the 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 three other guys. I, I I would butcher their name if I tried to pronounce it, so that's why I'm calling them the other Italian guys. Um, yeah. Anyway, it's a uh, it's an interesting worker placement game, but it's not workers that you're placing; it's ships, and you're placing them on the Nile, and the Nile flows down from the top of the board to the bottom of the board, and once you place a ship on your next turn, you have to place your ship further down. So if you want to get to some of these good spots, the dilemma is. Well, I'm passing up some other spots that could be good and that I don't want my opponents to get. But if I go slowly down the Nile, then the other players are going to be getting hitting those good spots. What are the good spots? Well, it's the theme of the game, which is building up these monuments. So you have like the pyramids and the Sphinx. And uh, I think there's five. There's five different monuments. And each building space on the Nile is going to be linked to two of these monuments which you can build any one, either or, as much as you can afford. And you can get some pretty good points out of it if you have stone, which you're building with, and you have workers, and you don't spend the workers, um, you just will acquire them to get stronger as the game goes by, and you just use them for the rounds. You just flip them over, and there's a little track for them. So you have one worker that's worth three, maybe another worker that's worth one, but the hard part is, is that for each building spot, you can only use one worker. Well, for the whole round, you can only use one worker by himself. And then you could add in your leader worker to add up the strength. Um, so you want all it, 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 it encourages you to make all of your workers really strong. But the caveat there is you have to feed your workers in this. And all you do is you just sum all of their strength and you have to produce that much wheat. And wheat is going to come on cards, and it's not a spendable resource. It's just kind of this income that you get that you have consistently. But you can have yellow um, yellow wheat, red wheat, or green wheat. And depending on where this irrigation ring is on the board, which can be manipulated through just different spots and such, um, those things are going to produce. Like the green ones always produce. The yellow ones only produce on the middle and top track. And then the red ones only produce on the top. But the red ones are like high income. You also have an income of stone that you get per round. Again, it's not a, a resource, a physical resource. It's just on cards. But then it has an engine building aspect to it too, because you're going to, some of these worker placement spots are just acquiring cards. You go to the spot and you get the card and it does something for you um, either immediately or once per game or a permanent benefit, which is like the, the engine building aspect to it which is going to give you certain things in different phases of the game. 
I found this game really cool. Um, there is, so this was a Kickstarter. I don't have the Kickstarter edition. I have the retail edition. To my knowledge, by, by researching it, the Kickstarter edition comes with some extra cards and the flip side of the board is the classic game, the 2009 game, which I looked at as well and skimmed through the rules and I don't see any difference except for the art and a little bit difference in the components, but the rules, skimming through the rules seem very similar. Maybe they um, updated the rules as far as wording goes, but as far as gameplay, it seems exactly the same. So it seems a little weird that they would put the classic game on the flip side, whereas the retail version, the flip side of the board is the two-player uh, variant, which you could play in the Kickstarter game. You just have to use dummy pieces to cover up certain spots. In this, there's just the appropriate amount of spots for it. Um, that's, a, that's a really weird decision. I don't know. That's really strange. To yeah, make two yeah. different boards. That also sounds kind of expensive. Right, right. So I don't feel like I'm missing out on the Kickstarter. Maybe there's some cooler cards in there, but I don't know if I need them. But the game was cool. I like it. Um, the two-player version was interesting because on these building spots, there's always one fewer than the amount of players playing. So in a two-player game, you only have one spot for this building spot. But there is like these... So the worker placement spots, they're just uh, these round chits and you shuffle them up. So the worker placement spots are different each round. And some of these, and some, not all of them come out of every round too. And some of them are kind of cheat uh, worker placement spots where during the building phase, you could take your ship from that spot and put it next in line um, on the building spot and kind of break the rules where there can now be two people building that spot. But if that doesn't come out, then it's first come first serve on three building spots and you do get bonuses for building at uh two or more spots so if you build at two spots you get two points but if you're able to build at all three spots which is rather difficult uh you get a bonus of five points so it was really tight in a two-player game especially because that cheat uh chit that came out it came out twice and it's five rounds so the last three rounds we were fighting for it and it was very interesting of how me and the other player were playing because I was rushing to these building spots to build. And then what happens is I leave all these engine building cards behind. So the other player just picks all of them up with ease. And now they have this huge engine. So now I got to like block them out of these spots, but I'm not building very much on these on these monuments. So I'm not getting a lot of points from it, um, but I am blocking him but when he, if he if he goes there once he could i mean he got 16 points from one spot because of how much strength he had and how much uh stone he had so it was like this weird thing that was happening where i got stuck in this position of blocking him from building spaces because his engine was huge but my engine was small so i wasn't producing a lot of points and he won because of that so now i see my mistake in the game where you have to and that's what's good about it is you have to balance you know what you're getting and how you're building but it was a really cool game really interesting um i think the two-player game works fine but i would really like to see it as a three and i think it's going to work best at four and that is a Gizia shifting sands it's gonna ask what's the end game condition is it some kind of rushing or is it a set number of rounds it's uh, yeah it's a set sure. number of rounds it's five rounds the cards that come out that would be worker placement spots that you can acquire throughout the game, they are um, like tiered. So you have a one and two 
card stack yeah, that yeah, come yeah. out during one and two rounds one and two so that will let you know when the round's over but also these cards will ramp up and give you better stuff as the game goes along yeah it actually i haven't really seen uh too many games with that system of like uh rush to better actions or take your time through weak actions but maybe the better actions are not available it kind of reminds me of that game gosh what is the the one that recently came out with the tribes exploring further and further uh where you can go to future rounds uh gosh terramara terramara yeah kind of reminds me of that actually yeah now that i think about it there aren't too many games uh like this where you can't go back uh actually yeah 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 that's kind of kind of weird that you know what way. it felt like it felt like a mixture between worker placement and a rondelle but just the rondelle yeah. wasn't circular it was just straight line. maybe maybe something like Kalos even but not really it sounds very interesting actually uh, my experience with that game is i looked at the rules and the rules were actually really long and it looked very kind of dry <laughs> the jokes there with the Nile and everything, you know, <laughs> uh, so in the desert, <laughs> but, uh, I don't know. I need to try it sometime. I'm really interested in, in it because of the, uh, Italians, but the game itself just looked very kind of dry to me, but maybe if you explain it, I don't have to read the rules. That would be a good time. So <laughs> yes, so. you are right. It is dry. There's no doubt about that. Um, I do find myself liking the theme. Like I like the Egyptian theme, uh, if I didn't mention that before, but obviously by the Sphinx and the pyramids. Um, but you're not going to be immersed in the theme, obviously. And I'm wondering if, I, I mean, Egypt is really interesting. I find it fascinating, the ancient, ancient civilizations and all that. But I'm wondering if, I if I'm attracted to those games because I've played so many Egyptian theme games that I liked, you know, which came first, you know? The interest yeah, yeah, yeah. or the games um, yeah but you're right the rule book is long and some of the things seem pretty complicated so i read this rule book three on three separate occasions right when i got the game <laughs> yeah i Sounds read about right yeah it just looked it looked very long and like a lot of text very verbose and i was like oh my gosh this is actually like super complicated looking and this is so the updated I'm rule book um, so the first time I read it was right when I got it. I opened it up and I, and I, uh, read through the rules and then didn't bring it that week for, for games. So I completely forgot everything, started to skim the rules. The second time was just like, I uh, gave up. My brain gave up. I was not yeah. into it. <laughs> the third time I sat down and re read it by the, I read it cover to cover. And by the time I was in, I was like, oh my gosh, this makes perfect sense. Why did I procrastinate? You know, yeah. you, it just, it just deserves your undivided attention when you're reading it. Um, and some things seem a little kooky to explain, like how to feed your workers and how you lose points from that. And um, it seemed the person I was playing with was getting really confused about uh, the strength of your workers versus like how to build. But once you get it, it all uh, fits together pretty nicely and the game flows really nice. Also, there is um, there's a player aid on your player tableau. So I always like that. It goes through the phases and everything. Uh, yeah, so you don't yeah, forget yeah. everything. That's really helpful when the game's more complicated since I was trying to remember everything. Yeah, for sure. And I didn't know that because when I was reading the book, I set up the game and I was reading the book separately from my table. And um, I was like, why doesn't this come with player aids? And then I looked on the back of it and it just has a, an advertisement for Terraforming Mars because it's a stronghold game. And I was like, what a fail. And I was, I was explaining the game and going through the rounds, reading from the rule book, the, uh, the phases. 
um, the person I was playing with was like, oh, there's a player aid right here on the on the board. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I missed that. That's genius. Okay. Yep. That's nice. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I really enjoy this game. I do think that the podcast and some members of our group will really like it. And that's Agizia Shifting Sands. All right. So that was some games that we played. So up next is some games that we're looking forward to. So yeah, these these strange times have done strange things to me. And by that, I mean, usually if we're in uh, quote unquote, like normal lifestyle right now, I would be knee deep in, in games that I was looking forward to. Uh, you know, I work at a game store and I'm consistently playing and we have the podcast, obviously. So I'm, I'm, I have to like separate these games out from show to show because it'd be too much content to put in. But lately I haven't really been looking at games because I'm in this rare opportunity where I have my roommate and I have my wife and they'll play anything. So I can look at my shelf and grab anything and they'll play it without any complaints. So I've been playing a lot of games that I haven't gotten to the table either ever or it's been a long time. So I don't feel like I want to buy more games right now. I have been buying some stuff for Marvel Crisis Protocol, but I think that's the part of me that needs to open up something new and read some new stuff, you know. But I did come across a game that I am actually very excited about. So Maharaja, the game of palace building in India, that is the whole name for it, uh, is a game that came out in 2004 from Michael Kiesling and Wolfgang Kramer. 2020 is bringing us a new edition simply titled Maharaja. It's got new graphics and components and you build statues instead of palaces and some added scoring and rules as well. Uh, this game will be published by Cranial Creations and the new art is done by Clemens Franz. However, Clemens Franz has this very like um, distinct art style. Like if you think of Caverna, Agricola, Riverboat, this doesn't look like his typical art. Like it looks a little more detailed and not so old, I guess I'm saying. But maybe that's because there's a co-artist as well. But either way, it looks nice and I'm excited to try it because I haven't been able to play the original and I am a big Kiesling and Kramer fan. So have you played the original uh, Maharaja? No, it kind of rings a bell. I wonder if I've looked at it before. I really like the Indian theme, to your point. I also like the Egyptian theme. Uh, but uh, again, uh, like you're saying, I don't know if what came first, the Egyptian theme me liking the Egyptian theme or just because the games uh, are good. Right. I think the Egyptian theme was actually really popular in the early 2000s when games were kind of, board games were getting more and more popular uh, because it's an easy kind of, it's in a lot of casinos as well. So I think it's like an easy appeal to the kind of weird gods and like pyramids and mystery and treasure and the desert and thieves and camels and there's a lot of like really cool fun fun things to yeah, definitely experience in egypt uh, i really like the indian theme as well uh what is the game do you know like what kind of game it is is like pick up and deliver or something or like some kind of a mix like they do or something or i don't know is it auctioning and any do you know any like details okay so oh, okay. um the game is area majority Network and route building, point-to-point -point movement, simultaneous action selection, and variable player powers. It's what BGG says. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually looking at the old board that looks really cool. So I'm kind of excited about this. It actually looks like Taj Mahal, 
you know, the auction mm-hmm. game where you auction for different areas, but it looks like way more uh, pickup and delivery and zoomed in. So I don't know. Uh, maybe not pick up and deliver. I'm sure they did something clever, which is what I really like about those guys. So that actually looks really cool. I'm excited that there's a reprint of this. Uh, anyway, any, any other games that no, you're looking no, forward it. to, Brandon, or is that it? That is it. All right. So the, um, for me, I looked at Kickstarter this week. I look at it once in a while, uh, not so much uh, anymore, but I did. I do look at it pretty consistently, actually. A game came about, which is called Excavation Earth. The theme was very captivating um, because the art is also really well done. The art is just amazing, which actually I think they've done way too good of an art for what the game is, maybe. Um, I can't really say before playing the game, but I looked at it so much, um, and I'm not sure if I'm going to like it still because... Like I say, it looks interesting, but for me, it's missing maybe the magic. Uh, what kind of attracted me to it is first the art. The art is really good. I don't know who actually did the art, so that's unfortunate. But the designer is uh, David David Turchi, I think, or whatever his name is. Uh, he designed an Anachrony and also Kitchen Rush. Actually, I didn't realize it's by him mm. and some other games. So he is kind of um, he's designed some good games. And I looked into it, but it looks like this kind of weird, like set collection game with some uh, movement and pickup mechanics. I just and market mechanics, actually, a lot of markets, like kind of manipulating prices on a shared market. I just am not sure if I'm going to like the actual game, but the theme is really cool. The uh, aliens find the Earth, some kind of thousands of year in, in the years in the future or something and they find remnants of our civilization uh which is now extinct or something so or i don't know what happened to us but basically they are digging for artifacts which are leftovers from uh basically us so you find things like record players and like weird like dolls and stuff and apparently it's really popular popular with these aliens so there's all these mercenaries now scouring the earth and just digging up artifacts and listing them on uh, these exchanges and people buy them. (laughs) So that's the whole theme is you're excavating remnants from the human civilization and selling it to aliens who like those artifacts. Um, Very interesting looking game. I'm just not sure, like I say, if it's going to pan out. Actually, Heavy Cardboard did a playthrough. I did not watch it, but usually they do playthroughs of interesting games and or maybe they're getting paid i don't know <laughs> but uh i was just noticing um they don't do a playthroughs usually of games that are like not very well thought out uh generally though mm-hmm. so that's a plus i think but i think i'll wait for the retail edition the only exclusive on the kickstarter was uh these the artifact tiles which are a replacement of the artifacts you're digging up and i feel like it's not such a huge draw to spend like uh, i think it was uh, over a hundred dollars with shipping which is just kind of way overkill for what the game is i feel uh but they are just different so for example you can replace like a set of paintings or something with a set of things that make sound or something that was the the kickstarter exclusive maybe like mp3 player cd player whatever so it's kind of just art replacement which i'm fine missing out on but i'm definitely looking forward to maybe trying it uh, if if i see it around so excavation earth um just a really quick mention ank finished this week it's the new eric lang simon thing 
they're almost calling it a trilogy. I'm not sure if they officially called it a trilogy, but like uh, Blood Rage, Rising Sun, Ankh. Um, so it's Egyptian as well. To me, I think they're kind of regurgitating the, the same game over and over. We were talking about it with Brandon before the podcast started. I, I'm not sure if I'm going to like it. I like Blood Rage okay, Rising Sun not so much because of different reasons. And I think this is kind of maybe more of the same. Um, I didn't really find the miniatures that beautiful. They're very well detailed and everything, but... Uh, I think Blood Rage was like really awesome, and then it's kind of gone a little bit down and kind of more of the same, uh, as far as I'm concerned. The Kickstarter did really well, though. I think it raised like 3.3 million or something, very popular. I actually wonder if uh, this person who moved away from our group backed it, um, because he's kind of a huge Eric Lang fan, and um, yeah, I haven't, I haven't asked him. Uh, but I just wanted to mention it just because it's a popular Kickstarter. And I will try it, possibly, if someone else um, backed it. But I'm a little bit over Eric Lang's like high-conflict games. They're all, very, they're all very similar to me, and not all of them are a hit for me, unfortunately. So I almost guarantee I won't try it. <laughs> Even if somebody else has it. Honestly, like I haven't tried Rising Sun yet. I don't feel like I'm missing out. I have no interest. I do like Blood Rage. I own Blood Rage. I played it with my wife recently, just a two-player game of it. Um, but yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I feel like just watching gameplay and looking into these games, I just don't feel like there's anything that interesting that's added. And I could be wrong, but yeah. I just like don't. Uh, Person, it's just not my. It's not for me. It's not. For I me. think. Yeah, I agree because I think it has that asymmetric power building where. You start kind of the same, but you branch out into something wildly different and someone can do something very different and weird and you have to know what everyone can do in spades. Like those, his games are basically that yeah, to and that's, the fullest yeah. extent, which I think you probably don't like. That that's too probably much what, what the main turnoff is. Yeah, if I were to analyze yeah. it, I think that's what it would be is that it requires a lot of plays to be able yes. to play well yeah. and if you're jumping in with people that have played it a lot uh get ready to have a bad time yeah because there's these super powerful things that you can do and they're all unique to you and you can unlock them in different combinations which is interesting but it's also very uh requires kind of replace to get a good game i think out of the game to a balanced game so someone doesn't explode because right. you need to know how to like stop people yeah basically. exactly um, but I don't feel bad for not giving Eric Lang my money because everyone else is. Yeah. Yep. It, it did well. So anyway, that's uh, Ankh. All right. So that was some games that we're looking forward to. So up next is our topic. Our spotlight on CGE. All right. CGE, also known as Czech Games Edition, is a board game publisher. So in 2006, the group that would become CGE decided that board game design slash publishing is what they wanted to do for a living after working on the first edition of Through the Ages. Now, you're not, uh, you've never played Through the Ages, right, Risto? Actually, no, I never played Through the Ages. I kind of looked at it, and uh, the joke is it takes ages to play. Um, so... <laughs> 
that's probably why I haven't. And it looks like this is, is a really elaborate card engine building game, which to me doesn't sound very appealing, but maybe I'll try it someday. I don't know. Never say never, I guess. Yeah, you know, I would uh, probably try it at two. Because, yeah, the, it is lengthy, but I think it works best at two. It goes back and forth, back and forth, and it, the game yeah. plays pretty quickly. Uh, it plays up to four, but, like, everybody that plays this game says that that would be a really bad decision to play it for players. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the publishing was later founded about a year later in 2007 and released their first titles, which were Galaxy Trucker by Vlada Shavatel, or is it Shavatel? Shavatel, I think, but yeah, it's... Shavatel. And League of Six by Vladimir Suchi. Uh, Do you have a favorite designer from CGE? Now, I know that they are a lot of them are czech designers but they don't limit themselves to that i know that they've worked with french designers and italian designers and i think some german designers but who, who's your favorite designer from that uh CGI? yeah i would i would say my favorite designer is probably vladimir suhi i think it is uh uh, he's made a lot of really games that I highly enjoy from CG. So, like, basically every game that comes out with his name, I'm immediately interested in, no matter the theme. I'm kind of a fanboy of Vladimir Suhi. Uh, Pulsar was amazing, maybe definitely on my top 10 somewhere, which is the latest one from him, I think. Actually, I'm kind of clicking through out of curiosity <coughs> to see what he's got uh, a new one coming, coming out. out from him. You'll find it. He's got a new one coming out there. Yep, yep. But uh, he's definitely probably my favorite of all of them, even though, like you say, there's a lot of different designers actually from a lot of different nationalities. A lot of them are Czech. Some of them are not. They're just a publisher now, so they publish whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, I mean, Simone Luciani has, has, has uh, designed yes. games with them. Um, Zolkin, right? The, the Mayan yes. calendar. Yep. Um, but uh, I would have to go with Vlada because... I like his range. I like that he could um, design something as simple and and accessible as uh, code names, and then go all the way into like um, through the ages or dungeon lords, um, mage knight. But also he's got some midweight games like um, oh I can't think of any. I was gonna say did he do? Am I wrong? Did he not do? Did he do dungeon lords and dungeon pets? It actually might be a different designer. Uh, I'm actually I'm actually looking at everything CG as we're talking. Uh, I think he I think he did. Yeah, I think he he was the one who did it. Or is it Vladimir? It's Vlada Fatil. No, it's it's him. Yeah. Okay. So yes, I agree. He does. I was surprised actually uh, to your point uh, that he designed code names when I found out that it's by him. For some reason, I didn't connect the dots. Uh, but yeah, he has some range because uh, Dungeon Lords, Dungeon Pets is, are very kind of complex heroes with uh, just a lot of planning and stuff and code names like a party game. And both of them are really good, actually. Both of them are amazing. So yeah, I agree. Yeah, He's pretty awesome as well. He'd be like my second, probably. Right, right. Um, I think he did That's a Question as well, which is just like a silly yeah. game to like get to know who you're sitting next to, basically. Yeah. Um, so since then, CGE has released over 40 games and expansions. Um, do you, do, what are some of your favorite games by them? You're scrolling through them right now. What, do, are you seeing anything that pops out? Uh, I would say Dungeon Lords, Dungeon Pets. Those jump out immediately. Also, Pulsar is the latest. Like I say, I highly enjoyed Pulsar. Um, I think they published Space Alert as well, which was really fun. 
I think Prodigal's Club was really good as well. They just have like so many really good games. Uh, Tolkien, Tolkien is like, yeah. are you kidding me? Tolkien is like a, an amazing game as well. So yeah, Alchemists uh, is a really amazing game as well. Uh, Adrenaline, I enjoyed. Uh, we played it a few times. I'm not sure how big other people are into it. I really like that game as well, actually. So what I like about Adrenaline is if if I have a video game geek that I'm hanging out with, I could introduce that to them and trick them into playing this game that feels like a first-person shooter, but really I'm slowly getting them into Euro games because the mechanics there are hidden, but they're, they're Euro mechanics for sure. Yes, there's definitely kind of area majority. Uh, it's an area majority game, really. Yeah, yeah, it really is. I mean, even their party games are really good. Uh, some of them are misses, though. Like, I'm not sure if Trap Words was really that good. It was actually not bad. It wasn't a bad game. It just wasn't like, you know, I was expecting... My expectations are just so high that it's really hard to um, meet them. But I highly enjoyed uh, Pictomania and Letter Jam, which is actually published by them. So they just publish really good games. Basically, when I see CG, it's maybe my favorite publisher, actually, I would say. Yeah, you know, I'm. I think I'm there with you. Um, because yeah, they they have some simple party games that are great. I I didn't play the uh, the the other the party game you mentioned. What was it? Uh, Big trap words. No trap words. Oh, oh, trap words was uh, kind of a tug of war game. With uh, the awkward thing about it was you're supposed to pick these words that are a trap and the other person, the other people need to describe a concept with, with by avoiding those words. So you hear the concept first or you know what the concept is and you make these words to like try to trap the other person. And it the miss was kind of, I don't know, you need to, it's a weird game because you need to kind of step away from the table or like secretly pass around the sheet to, because you, obviously the other team can't hear the trap words because that breaks the game so it's it that that aspect of it was a little bit awkward nothing wrong with the game itself it, the flow was kind of weird and maybe we didn't have like the right uh, group for that game maybe it would work better with a different group as well uh, very interesting concept really cool uh, in practice a little bit weird yeah but letter jam is my jam I really like that game a lot, and I, I think it's a kind of a genius game to where it's uh, it's this cooperative, quote unquote, party game. But you definitely feel like you're playing your own. You're in your own head the whole time. You know, yep. there there is some spelling that goes on and some discussions. So it's this really cool balance back and forth of like talking to your your um, your co players, but also very much in your own head. And I, I like the way they did that. Yep. So in 2014, um, CGE expanded into the realm of digital board games with the app version of Galaxy Trucker through the ages, and it's working on the expansion for that and is currently working on the digital version of Codenames. You know, Galaxy Trucker is fine, too. It's kind of a goofy game, but I do enjoy playing it in the right mood. Um, Have you played any of the app versions of these games? Um, I have not played any app versions. So I was curious. Have you played the app version of Galaxy Trucker? I have some questions about it. If you have, I've, I've only played the physical version of that. Oh, I do I was play through the ages. Yeah, yeah. Uh, through the ages, I'm pretty sure it works fine. I'm not sure because Galaxy Trucker, what the game is, is you're real time picking up tiles, and you're supposed to only use one hand or something to pick up tiles and arrange them into a ship <laughs> with the, like a kind of a junky trucking ship that you defend against aliens and like transport cargo through the galaxy uh but 
I'm wondering how the app works with that. I don't know if you're allowed to like use multiple fingers or something, or basically I just know, don't know how the implementation of it works because it's a very weird game, which I feel like requires physical pals. So very interested in how they actually accomplish that in an app. I've heard other people say it works really well, but I haven't actually had a chance to play it. Um, it'd be weird to do it on a phone screen as well, which is kind of a small screen. Maybe it works better on a like a pad or something. I don't know. Yeah, I do. I do like through the ages a lot the app because uh, it's you could just pull it out of your pocket, make a move, and then make a move later. You don't have to play all the way through. Also, it's it's significantly shorter because it does all the upkeep for you. I play against like the CPU. Um, Justine and I had a game going on for a while, but I don't think I like playing app games that way um, because <laughs> I'll make a move and then you know I have to wait however long for the next person to make a move. And I just kind of want it. I, I want it on demand. That's what how I want my app yes. games to work. Yeah. So I usually just play the the CPU. However, um, um, depending on when you're listening to this, this this um, this piece of information I'm giving you is obviously going to be um, time sensitive. But starting on back in March March 20th, both through the ages and Galaxy Trucker digital games are available for half their price right now. So this is a quote from their website. We were considering giving the apps for free, but in the end, we have decided for a different approach. All proceeds coming from the app sales will be donated to COVID-19 Solidarity Response Fund. So I thought that was really cool that they're giving away these games for half the price and all the money is going to uh, charity to help with this pandemic. Cool. That's really awesome. I didn't even realize. Yeah, so maybe here's your opportunity to play Galaxy Trucker, huh? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I'm almost like scared I'm not going to like it on a phone, actually. Oh, I did play the uh, Galaxy Trucker physical experience. I'm kind of avoiding talking about it because I did not like it. I think it's uh, kind of funny. Yeah, it's it's a funny game, but also not so funny when you get unlucky <laughs> because a critical hit, like you're building a ship and you're trying to protect it against these random attacks of like uh, kind of asteroids and like rows and columns. And I think what happened is I had an unprotected part of my ship, which again is my fault, but I mean, like the game is just so bizarre and just kind of weird. And I feel like it's punishing for new people because it's hard to play the first time. And uh, I think I got a hit which basically split my ship in two or <laughs> someone else did, if I remember correctly. And it kind of like ended their game effectively. So yeah, it's kind of funny but it's almost like this bizarre experience where I'm not sure if it's even like a serious game. It definitely does not take itself seriously and it's highly random. So it's it's almost this kind of like sandbox fun experience that you just kind of go in and out of and it's almost like not a real game, I would say, in a, in a sense. You know, it's not like a Euro game for sure that where you have to like plan stuff. It's like a real-time bizarre just kind of go in have some fun kind of it is and you don't know it's coming so it's hard to prepare for what's coming and you can't necessarily prepare for everything because you're grabbing these pieces and like you said like real time actually the funny thing is you can see what's coming because you can look at cards but that's the real time portion of the game and if you look at what's coming i think there's a significant downside because you're behind and people might take your components which just kind of puts you even further behind so usually you kind of just try to rush build the best ship ever and 
kind of uh, who cares what's coming, you know? Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. Kind of like just a rush for components is what my experience has been in that game. Yeah, that game should just not be taken too serious, and you should just like have fun with it yes. and, and and get into the silly theme of it. And yeah. Um, so in 2017, they published their first novel. It's Galaxy Galaxy Trucker Rocky Road by Jason A. Holt, obviously based on Galaxy Trucker, the board game. I was wondering if they keep doing this, if they keep producing novels, would there be a game that you would want to read? Uh, I Even though it doesn't look like much, actually, I'd say Pulsar really captured my imagination. I like sci-fi, and uh, I like the idea of harvesting energy. I think from Pulsars, it's a little bit of a cheesy uh, <laughs> idea, because it's not, not super realistic, even in far in the future or whatever but i think kind of a sci-fi uh, novel would be pretty awesome from them maybe something with adrenaline as well something just like funny i was thinking adrenaline would be cool right because they yeah. they start to explain the theme in the beginning of the game well they don't start to you can read some of it but it's covered up with like almost like a pop-up that says like don't worry about the theme it's just a game have fun and I thought yes. that was kind of funny, but I would also want to see like um, dungeon pets. I kind of I like that theme a lot of like you're taking care of these 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 pets and people are merchants are coming to buy them, and uh, you have to it, they could eat you. Um, I was yeah, thinking it's like almost it almost feels like a Pixar movie or something. Yeah, it would be a great Pixar movie actually. Uh, that's a good uh, that's a that's a good point. I was thinking through the ages would just be you could you could read that right now. You could just pick up some history books, right? That's through the yep. ages. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm very curious if they're going to release any, any more novels or if because galaxy trucker was this like goofy fun theme. Um, and it, I mean, with your imagination, you could already kind of uh, make a story up. I mean, you're this like trucker that's like taking things to and from, I mean, it's Futurama, right? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, no, it I don't know if you're going to go into it, but they have a great sense of humor and they write their uh, rule books very uh, kind of comedically. <laughs> they, they, they're written really well as well. Yeah, so let, let's talk about that. Let's talk about their components and their rule books and all that. Um, to your point, yeah, their rule books are some of the most fun rule books to read, even the more complex ones, where normally if you read like a, a, a heavy euro game uh you better sit down and get your mind in the mode of like studying but with these like it has this comic relief in it and it kind of like eases your brain for a little bit to kind of like chuckle and then get back into the rules i really appreciate the rule books a lot i think every single one of them has some kind of like goofiness to them yeah, I think they did that a lot with Galaxy Trucker, Space Alert, Dungeon Pets, Dungeon Lords. I would say Pulsar does not really have humor in it, though. Adrenaline has some. It's kind of hit and miss there. Prodigal's Club, if I remember correctly, was actually very serious. It just kind of to the point. Yeah, the theme of the game is ridiculous because yeah. you're trying to just like lose your money and be the most unpopular person and like just like fail on multiple fronts in your life experience. But the rule book, I think, was serious. So not every rule book that they've published is funny, but the ones that they have are written very well, I think. I don't know if yeah. a particular like writer or editor was involved in them, but they're done really well, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. The components, too, um, 
again, going back to like classic Euro games, they've really upped the components. I feel like with some of them are reused. You'll see, you'll see some, um, some different plastic pieces that are like, oh, this was obviously originally in this game, but it works for this. So I, I, that doesn't bother me at all, but I've always appreciated their components. I, I like a lot of, they use a lot of plastic and a lot of cardboard. And I like the kind of mixture of those two. Yeah, yeah, I haven't really noticed, like, I don't really notice components too much. I'd say Alchemists is good. What I wanted to actually say for components and integration is they have amazing apps. Uh, Adrenaline, I mean, not Adrenaline, gosh, Alchemists. Alchemists has uh, basically an image recognition app that does, uh, you just point your camera at cards and it recognizes things and it, like, gives you the outcome of uh, something, which is very necessary for the game. Otherwise, you'd have to have a person doing it. And the app works really well, actually. Uh, I don't think that's, like, an easy thing to achieve, especially with image recognition. Also, Letter Jam, they took some time to release it, but I think it's done. You basically point, uh, or what is it? Yeah, you point the phone at cards, and it tells you to which pile to put it in, basically. So you can kind of uh, just make words. And I think it creates really good words, which I have liked. They recently updated it with different languages as well. So they really do a good job on their apps when, when they go to make an app for a game. So I, if even if a future game comes out with which requires an app, I think I'd be very happy to do it as long as it's from CG. Uh, yeah, they, I'm curious about that app because they have um, what are they called? They're not barcodes. What are, what are the codes called? Oh, uh, QR codes. QR codes. Yeah, codes for for Letter Jam. Yeah, that makes it easier to to pick them up faster. Are they on the back them. of the cards? I can't remember. Are they in the front? Uh, yeah, they are on the back of oh, the okay, cards, okay. I think, or something. Now, I, I can't remember how it works exactly. I think they are on the back, to your point, because, yeah, I'm not sure about the logistics, but it works very well. Basically, you just, like, scan, put, scan, put, scan, scan, put, and then you have piles of five, and it, like, smartly assigns them so it's efficient, so it doesn't waste your time to throw away a lot of cards. Sometimes you do throw away a lot of cards just because of bad letters, but... Uh, it like knows what cards are available and it efficiently creates the words which minimize your time to set up the game basically yeah no that's great um they do have a new game coming out it's called under falling skies it's it's supposed to it's slated for 2020 so speaking of print and plays this originated from a print and play game on bgg in fact it won the 2019 nine card nano print and play design contest um so they're developing this uh, expanded version with high quality components and new artwork you can actually download the print and play version right now for free on cge's blog that's at uh, blog.checkgames.com so what is this game it's actually a solo game i know that they have some games that have solo variants mage knight is a very popular one that solo game gamers like but it also <clears throat> isn't just solo but this one is just solo aliens have arrived to conquer earth enemy ships feel the skies humanity retreats to underground bunkers located beneath the city across the globe to stand against the common threat you fight the invaders city by city build a team from around the globe to save your planet and defeat the aliens it's a multi-mission campaign with dice placement being the main mechanism so I'm not that into solo games, but this does sound intriguing to me. And because CGE thought that uh, the print and play was 
basically worthy of their of their production line. I am curious about it. Um, what do you think, Risto? Would you would you be interested in this? I'm actually looking at screenshots. It looks really interesting. Um, I mean, it literally the the name comes across very well because it's this long row of cards, and there are things coming down which I think is like a cube waterfall. So I think like you're saying aliens are invading and yeah, it looks like you're doing dice placement with D6s to defend against the invasion in some way, I think to activate like fighters and like it looks like to collect energy. Uh, this looks really cool actually. I'm not huge on solo games, but just because it's CGE, I might be trying this one. Also, it looks very cheap. <laughs> Literally... It's yeah, it's nine cards and some dice and some cubes. So should be should be a nice um but I'm kinda surprised they don't have a larger game coming out because this looks very small, but I, it looks interesting, yeah, for sure. That might be the print and play you're looking at. Or does it say twenty twenty on it? Uh it is the print and play because it's already made. So I'm I'm guessing they're gonna slightly redesign it or something, maybe. Yeah, they said they're expanding. Or are it. they making it into a larger game yeah. as well? Uh-huh. Oh, so it might become a larger game. Okay, no, that sounds interesting. I'll just have to see what what it is. But uh, yeah, but it has a bunch of awards and stuff, and I am looking at the existing game though. So they do still consider themselves a smaller company, but thanks to their partners around the world, they have been able to find their you, you're able to find their games in over forty languages. So yeah, um, CGE, one of our favorite publishing companies. Do you have anything more to say about CGE, Christo? Uh, not so much. The funny thing is, uh, <laughs> I don't know if we should end on that note, but when I went to BGG, uh, you can see that their associated BGG user is called Cretin, which is like Cretin, Cretin. Oh, yeah. Like it's literally Cretin. I think they have a lot of like funny Czech self-deprecating humor, which I just think is hilarious. So, like, their main user guy, who is the Peter Murmach, I think is his name or whatever it looks like, his name is, like, Kreten on BGG, and he is the registered guy for CG. So, it's just so it's just so bizarre. Like, yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> so, are you kidding me? This is what you guys came up with? But, no, I, they make really good games. They're kind of, like, really uh, kind of, like I say, self-deprecating humor and just kind of don't take things too seriously, but their games are really good. So I, I really like them. Yeah, they don't take themselves too seriously, but they make serious games. You know, that's a, yeah. that's a very unique combination. Uh, so anyway, that yeah. was our Spotlight on Check Games Edition. So up next will be our top three games with few components. All right. Um, a lot of games that we play have a lot of components. Um, however, I should say that my list, I didn't include a lot of uh, card games. In fact, no card games. I feel like that's just a different topic. And obviously, if you are playing like hearts, that's going to be a, a, what is it, two deck of cards? That's not going to be a lot of components, obviously. And uh, I tried to stray away from too many like filler games because that's kind of obvious to me too. But I don't, but I, what I wanted to focus on is something that you can, um, that has a small footprint and has like very little setup time because of its few components. And that's kind of how I, 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 I looked at this list is like, you know, maybe you, 
some of these you could even kind of make yourself because of how few components it has? For me, I didn't really particularly restrict myself. I've thought about this a little bit, but I already had kind of something in my mind as far as I really like looking out for this in general in games, games where there's a lot of game with a very few uh, pieces. So I've I just kind of had already a list in my head, and I just kind of confirmed it, thinking about um, other things. Hopefully, I didn't miss something. Maybe you'll mention something surprising. But uh, basically, the names kind of popped into my mind, is what I'm saying. And I yeah. did include a card game effectively, but I'll go into it why I think it's uh, so fascinating, and maybe some just kind of commentary about the genre there. All right, so let's get into it. Number three. So the funny thing is my number three is actually Brandon's number two. So I will immediately start by not talking about anything in particular <laughs> until Brandon talks about his uh, number two space. So that's uh, my number three. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, my number three is the Caruso crew from 2019. This is by GNA which it stands for Graphic Novel Adventures. And that's exactly what this game is, is it's a graphic novel adventure. And most of their the graphic novel adventures that I've looked into have just been solo games. They're one graphic novel, and I think you write in them and you go through it. This one plays up to four players. You could play this solo. But the neat thing about it is that every it comes with its four uh, graphic novels, small graphic novels, and that's it, pretty much. A little map in, so in a rule book. Um, I laminated the map and I added some markers. And there's um, it. It it really wants you to um, like copy and print out more player boards. I guess you'd say to see things you're collecting throughout the game. So I just printed those up and and, and laminated those too. So I guess I've added components to this game. Uh, that's how few components it has. But the game is really cool and interesting. Uh, the podcast played it together, and we um, were a little confused about how some things work, but I think by the end of the game, we kind of got it to where uh, the next play would have been good. Unfortunately, we never got there. But what are you doing in this game? You're reading through a graphic novel. You could take turns kind of reading the stuff, and you are solving puzzles together, and the graphic novels, each one, each character has its own. So it's unique and where... I could see something that you can't. Maybe my character's tall, so I could see things above that you can't see. And it's not objects, it's just numbers. So like I see this, I could say, hey, I see this number 23 above the door here. Um, and you could get into it like RPG style, like, hey, I see something above the door. You don't have to mention numbers. Um, and everyone else would be like, I can't see that. And be like, oh, well, should I look? And then you could you turn to a page basically like a... Um, What's that? Those adventure books called uh, Choose, Choose Your Own adventure. adventure. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So it's kind of that style, but with, um, but with a graphic novel. And then some people could talk to animals. So if I see an animal, I could ask the person who's controlling that character, like, "Can you talk to that animal?" If there's a number on the animal, they can. So I found this very fun. You go through. You're trying to collect certain certain gems and solving certain problems, and it has a lot of replayability because you're not marking up these books in any way, and you will get money. And you could go to a market 
and buy other stuff. So when you go back into the adventure, you can go to a place where you weren't allowed to go to because it said you need a grappling hook to get there. Well, now after the game, we've purchased the grappling hook. We could go back into the story and, and explore that. There's many different islands that you can explore as well, which will be within the pages of the book. So a lot of replayability and just kind of like good fun. It's not that complicated. So you can play it with, um, people of all ages and experience levels. And uh, that's why it's my number three, the Caruso crew. I just wanted to say, I really enjoyed that game. Actually very kind of memorable experience. I really like the art style of the actual comics in the book. Cause it's basically like a comic book. Uh, really cool. Really just really positive. The only thing is I feel like the system, uh, that entire system of like uh, asymmetric, looking powers or something Mm -hmm. (laughs) for lack of a better word it has a lot of potential and uh, really kind of cool I did not super enjoy the ambiguities with rules so that's the only downside if there's anything to that game that I can think of Uh, I think if we iron out like the rules and how we're supposed to be and if we should split up or not and there were a lot of like questions about if someone's separated do they go on their own or do we wait for them or something so as long as we iron those out I think the game is really highly enjoyable actually and I think it's really cool oh the only other downside is I feel like once you basically read the whole book because you've bought all the items and done everything that's kind of over so i mean it's kind of like a book so you've read the whole book at that point so it's kind of a one-time game but to get there i think it's going to take some time and it's going to be a lot of fun yeah i agree yeah the rules are really really short and um i bet i could go on now bgg i think has probably answered a lot of questions we're looking for but yeah i'm willing to try it again and i hope they keep coming out with the four player graphic novel adventure games because these were this was really cool i'd like to see what they would explore i really like the system i really like the feel of how like having four asymmetric books basically very interesting idea yeah definitely Number two. All right. So my number two is Hansa Teutonica. Um, I've ever since I played that game for the first time. I think at the time I think I've talked about it before, but I'll just mention it again. Uh, the game is just a boards, a player boards, and a bunch of cubes. And I guess there's these like eighteen tokens or something, but I feel like they're not super consequential to the game. Um, it's a route building game, a lot of blocking, uh, very interesting kind of rules where you're encouraged to kind of be in the way because you get benefits for being basically kicked out, which is very kind of an interesting system, which I haven't seen with um, other games so much. I highly enjoy this game. Uh, I think it's a really good exercise of like uh, components. I mean, the really high components to game ratio uh, mm-hmm. or the, the other. There's a lot of game with very few components yeah. is what I'm trying to say. Very replayable, very cool, really cool Euro. Um, maybe the quintessential German Euro, I would say. And it's an exercise in efficiency as well, which is really kind of cool. Pretty awesome altogether. Hansa Teutonica. Oh, the theme of the game is you're establishing the Hansa Attic League. It's looks really extremely boring but uh trust me it's worth getting into so that's my number two 
Yeah, a modern classic, I would call that. I, I really like Hansa Teutonica. Yeah. Uh, my number two is Hive, in particularly Hive Pocket, because that's what I own. Um, Hive came out in 2000. Hive, Hive Pocket came out 10 years later in 2010. Um, Hive is basically an interesting take on chess, but with insects, and you're trying to surround another player's uh, queen bee, and each insect can move and do different things. Uh, there's also a couple expansions for it, the pill bug, and I think the mosquito, which can copy other things that it's next to. Um, ladybug as well. Oh, and there's a ladybug. <laughs> yeah, there's three. Yeah. yeah. Um, Hive Pocket actually came with two of the expansions. I think it just didn't come with the pill bug. Uh, but a very, very cool game. Uh, definitely abstract. But I've played this game several times. And each time I play it, I forget how much I like it. Now, it's got very few components because it's just these tiles. And these really nice, thick um chunky tiles um hive pockets just smaller and it's just a bag so like it's i mean you could just take it anywhere you want and the the components of the hive pocket is tiles and a bag and it's perfect um and that, this was also Christo's number three yes this is my number three uh abstract games are very minimalistic anyway but a lot of them do require a boards of some kind or even like a grid this one is kind of crazy because basically you make the board as you play and uh usually there's probably other games like this where you make the board as you play but i think this one works really particularly well it's almost like i don't know a stroke of genius uh at that time when he designed it i've seen pictures of it being played on beaches like outside because all you need is literally just uh space to put some tiles down and as long as they don't move you're good to go so just any surface really even if it's sandy the tiles are pretty large so it, they're very easy to find so you probably are not going to lose them so like extremely minimalistic but it creates really cool decisions uh yeah just really just kind of a genius design i would say uh, minor note if you're playing the game uh i think there are some tournament rules which you probably should be playing with. I think it makes the game better. I think basically you can't put the queen down as your first move, I think. Uh, it prevents a lot of stalemates because I think um, kind of a powerful strategy is just to do like queen-queen and they're next to each other and it makes stalemates very kind of common. So I think that's why they introduced the rule where you have to put something else down and then the queen so they're a little bit further apart and um, less prone to kind of stalemates or whatever uh but overall really cool design um i think pocket or regular i actually like the regular because it just like it's still there's a bag that you put the tiles in so there's no box um, i have the bag so you can just carry around the tiles in a bag they're just a little bit larger than the pockets i mean they've would probably still fit in the pocket if you have a really large pocket. So <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's it's larger though, but I like the larger tiles. I think they just feel better to me at least, but they are completely identical. So it's just size of tiles really. Uh, but if you haven't played it and you like abstract games, you pretty much must play this game. So that's Hive. Yeah. Um, does the, the regular game, it, the regular game comes with a bag as well? Uh 
I think certain editions maybe come with the bag. I my edition, I remember it came with a bag in okay. the box, so it comes in a box, but the box has the bag and the tiles, so you can just like toss the box and just use the bag, which is what I uh, have uh, going on. I'm keeping the box, but it's just like stored away. Yeah. Uh, but I think I don't know. I'm the game has seen so many printings. I think they probably are still putting the bag inside the box, but I would check. Uh, before you buy with the regular edition at least probably the pocket as well uh, pocket comes in this like plastic uh, container that you can like put on a like a hook uh, oh, so yeah so you definitely it trash it it doesn't have an integrated bag you should make your own bag i guess no it comes point. with a bag it it comes oh, with a bag yeah i see it comes I with a bag in a plastic edition, container i think the regular edition generally comes with a bag as well so you're probably good there but i would check if you're buying it just to make sure yeah i like the bigger pieces but uh the 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 reason why i bought the pocket wasn't even the size or like i i don't think i've ever put it in my pocket um but it's <laughs> it's the fact that it comes with the, the two um expansions for it um yeah. and I, I didn't include a lot of i could have included a lot of um abstract games obviously on this list but like you were saying like a lot of them require a board and some other pieces as well. And uh, the reason why I feel like it deserved a spot on this list is because of no board. It is its board. Yeah. The pieces are. Yeah. 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 Uh, yep. It's, it's awesome. Number one. All right. This is the game that's on every top three that I've ever made. Uh, <laughs> well, just kidding, but kind of, not really. Uh, Race for the Galaxy. Uh, it's a, a card game, ultimately, but I feel like uh, it's kind of genius because the cards are multi-use in so many ways. Uh, one way they're multi-use is they're a resource, so you pay for cards with cards. Another way that they are multi-use is they are a resource for production. So you literally just put cards from the top of the deck on top of cards in your in front of you when you produce. So this creates a game where effectively you're playing a game which has like resources really, but the resources are cards. So there's a lot of just kind of minimalism because of that. The only thing that you need other than the cards is a bunch of victory points. And that can actually be some kind of a counter. Even You don't even have to pack them away as long as you have like 24 of something, maybe even like pebbles or something. Anything would work. Um, I'd recommend probably two-player game. That's why I'm saying 24. They're actually more victory points with a more-player game, but uh, I'd definitely recommend playing that game with, with two um contrasted with other games i think it kind of shows how minimalistic it is it comes in a box but you can completely toss the box and really all you need is just a deck of cards which is just kind of amazing for a game of that um kind of uh, complexity uh there's 51st date, which is kind of a similar game. However, that game does come with boards and like a huge bag of resources and some extra cards and stuff. So I think it kind of shows that kind of genius with the portability of Race for the Galaxy because they're kind of comparable. I'd say 51st date is more game because it's just kind of larger and more elaborate. Uh, but it kind of just kind of when you look at both games and they accomplish mostly the same thing, you can kind of see how kind of amazing it is that basically 
Race for Galaxy is just cards. Um, another comparable game which I need to play, which I haven't played, but I think I haven't heard so many good things about it, is... Uh, uh, gosh, all my goods, all my goods, all my goods has the same thing of using cards as resources. I think um, so. That sounds fascinating, but I just haven't played it yet. I'm not sure if it's going to be as good as Race for the Galaxy. So I don't know. But Race for the Galaxy, I'd say, a really amazing exercise and just kind of multi-use cards with um, creating a very kind of deep and kind of complex game for what it is. I mean, it's not going to be like the next Tolkien or something, so don't go into that expecting Tolkien, but given that it's just a deck of cards, I think it's an amazing game for what it is, so that's my number one, Race for Galaxy. Yeah, I feel like card games with multi-use cards feel, they give it that big like, it feels yes. like a board game rather than yeah, just yeah, a card game. You, yeah, that kind of expands like it makes the cards not just cards now they're other things as well. Exactly. So it's yeah. almost like cheating. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, yeah. Um, my number one is A Fake Artist Goes to New York, um, published in 2012 by Oink Games. Um, why is it on this list? It's tiny. I mean, all Oink games can, I mean, are tiny. They're in these little tiny boxes. Uh, this game is just a bunch of dry erase markers and some dry erase boards and a pad of paper. Uh, what are you doing in the game? Well, one person picks a theme and everybody knows that theme. And then they write down the actual thing within this theme that they pick and write it on all these dry erase boards, these tiny dry erase boards, and then give them out to each player, except one person will not have anything written on their whiteboard. And then you take turns drawing the thing um, to try to ambiguously draw this thing so that you can tell everybody else that you know what it is um, without giving away too much to the fake artist. But the thing is, is you're drawing a single line. Now it doesn't have to be a straight line, but you just can't pick up your dry erase or, or your marker. You have to continuously draw and then the next person will add to that and the next person will add to it and you'll go around two times. And by that time, and you have colored markers so you can kind of tell who's drawing what. So you can look at the thing and 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 see who is probably doesn't know what the thing is. And everybody votes. And if they vote for the fake artist as being the fake, then they win. But if they can't figure it out, then the person who picked the theme and the fake artist went together. This game, I've never played this game without laughing. It's always super funny, especially when you start finding out who the fake artist is because they're drawing just really ridiculous things compared to what the thing is. Uh, it gets really silly, it gets really funny, and it's super fun, and it's tiny, and it doesn't have a lot of components, and that's a fake artist goes to New York. Yeah, I really like that game. It can be kind of mean, actually. I remember laughing at the person who we were drawing a crown at the time, I think, and he got kind of like a little bit angry. Um, he was the fake artist and he like ruined the crown and it was just so funny. I don't know if you remember that, Brandon. <laughs> I do. I definitely just, do. Yeah, You are laughing at people, but <laughs> yeah. you definitely it was, are. It was just so funny because like it was very clear to everyone that it was like a crown or something. I think the word was like jewelry or something. And like he completely ruined it with this line and like immediately it was clear to everyone that it was just like bad. Yeah, so, yeah. It was just really funny like revealing moment. Also note that if you're playing on a felt table and you're sliding these things to your 
to your teammates or your your players you could erase the dry erase on it that's happened before where we've had two fake artists by accident <laughs> because one yeah. got slid and erased it so you might want to hand the, the the components to people yeah but kind of a really fun game for what it is right. i think it's really well done uh it's not the perfect game there's some kind of breakage and randomness and like maybe you accuse someone unjustly and stuff but i think that's part of the fun of the game so just kind of a light-hearted party game yeah it's and it's one of those party games where you don't really care who wins you just care about the gameplay like yeah because it, it um i didn't even realize until maybe the third time i was playing it that the uh i don't i don't know what they're the curator, I don't know what they call them, but the person that's picking the theme wins alongside of the fake artist. So you yes. want to give a clue, the theme, you want to be... Um, Something not super obscure. Yes, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where we've played it with people before that were like trying to psych them out with that, but that's not that's not the theme, that's not how you're supposed to play the game. Yeah. Um, it, you know, they're releasing these Oink games in Target, and they, they all they do is they come in bigger boxes, which is kind of weird that they would yeah. just like produce these games for. I don't know if they're uh, actually for Target, but that's where these like bigger versions are showing up. That's really weird because I think part of the appeal of Oink games, which I like actually a lot of them, and I need to still play some of them. Um, there's there's some really bizarre ones out there. There's like Mr. Face, where I think you like try to make a face and you build it out of card components or something. It's like there's some really strange ideas, uh, but I think parts of their appeal is they're small. So making them larger is kind of defeating the purpose, I feel. So it's kind of weird that they just like, but maybe it's like a marketing thing where people think it's like, oh, it's a larger game because it comes to a larger box, which I really don't like. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that because you can collect all these Oink games without taking a lot of space in your collection. Yeah. That's for sure. Uh, honorable mentions. Do you have any honorable mentions? Uh, actually, not really. I can't really think of hardly anything. I feel like a lot of abstract games qualify here. You can probably make an argument that just about any abstract game is very minimalistic and genius if it's good. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm, no, I, I can't really think of much. I don't know if you have any. Maybe it's that's going to... I'll think while you're talking maybe I have, yeah i have a couple so you mentioned oh my goods and that is an honorable mention of mine it's got multi-use cards and it feels like a board game but it's just cards um also with that regard peep moths definitely feels like it's not multi-use cards but it definitely feels like more of a board game than a card game um however it's just a it's just cards it's all cards and it's a very small box too and also hanamakoji it's just a two-player game that has um a few different like mechanisms in it it's got like i split you choose going on in it and kind of like hidden information and i really enjoy it and it's really like really minimalistic because it has cards but very few cards and very few chits so yeah those are my honorable mentions peep mots oh my goods and hanamakoji yeah i feel like a lot of card games in general qualify as well which is what those kind of are uh, I like parades. Parade is awesome. But it's just a card game, though. So I think, yeah. No, I, I think my list is pretty good. I like my list the way it is. Um, I'm thinking of games with like really low setup time as well, because right, I think right. that's a sign of a I minimalistic mean, game. And I really can't think of hardly that or that many 
Uh, a lot of games require some setup time, which means extra components on them. Yeah. All right. Well, then that is our show. We'd like to thank you for listening. And we'd like to thank Lindsay Hobbs for composing the theme. Kirsten Adams for designing our logo. You can find her art on Instagram at Cat Coffee. That's K-A-T-C-O-F-F-E-E on Instagram. Uh, Cards and Cubes is a production of Pod Cauldron. You could find some other great podcasts on the Pod Cauldron network, including Bub Club, a horror movie podcast, and Rabble, 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 which is a comedic look at current events. And we will see you in a couple weeks. Thanks for tuning in.